welcome to the I Spy with My MyOI podcast. I am your host, Brittany Sierra. I am a certified oral facial myologist, registered dental hygienist, and lifelong learner. My goal with this podcast is to expand your knowledge of oral facial myofunctional disorders and to bring you up to date in current literature so that together we can get to the root of the problem. You ask, we'll answer by collaborating with true pioneers and specialties associated with the myo world. Join me on this journey as we dive into the life-altering world of tethered oral tissues and airway space. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all content expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the speakers and is for informational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because every person is so unique, you should always consult with your specialized healthcare professional. Dr. James Thomas is the founder of the Health Latch Circle. Dr. James Thomas has more than 15 years of experience in clinical pediatric dentistry and correction and resolution of oral tethers. After treating thousands of children at his dental practice in Washington, some of whom struggled with breastfeeding due to tongue and lip tie, he has gathered a unique understanding of the issue. Seeing firsthand how stressful it can be for families, he created a specialty practice dedicated to changing the lives of these babies and their families at the Health Latch Clinic. Dr. James Thomas also has his own personal story of encountering tongue tie with his daughter when she was just an infant. She experienced difficulty during feedings, severe acid reflux, and many sleepless nights until it landed her in the hospital. And it's ultimately what helped to inspire the entire mission for the Health Latch Circle. Dr. Thomas is a member of the Tongue Tie and Lip Tie Support Network, the International Consortium of Oral Ankylophrenula Professionals, the American Dental Association, the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, the Washington State Association of Pediatric Dentists, the Washington State Dental Association, and the Seattle Lactation Journal Study Club. Dr. Thomas received his Doctor of Dental Surgery from the University of Michigan. Good morning, Dr. Thomas. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and speak with me. I'm so excited and honored to have you on, so welcome. Yeah, thank you so much, Brittany. Yeah, during this crazy holiday season, and I know you have a lot going on um, with Health Latch Circle, so let's just start by, if you want to share your origin story. Yeah, Um, so I'm a pediatric dentist by trade, graduated from the University of Michigan, I'm going to fast forward through a lot of this because I want to. I know we want to get to the meat of it, but uh, yeah, it's been a long uphill uphill road, and um, you know, I started. Uh, I moved out to Seattle in 2005 and started a practice that was kind of named like any other practice, uh, um, Northwest Pediatric Dentistry. And and I talk about the names because I think brand is a big part of what I've been involved in, and I think that's where my talents lie. And I think that's where we have to move in terms of oral health is having the general public understand what we're trying to do. And so we were uh, carrying along. I knew I was going to do okay because I'm a systems builder and systems is what makes us uh, strong. And, and so in, uh, we steadily uh, were going through a growth period. And then I really, I saw that uh, the, the younger patients weren't really making it to the dentist by age one. And uh, all the academies in our organization about getting kids to a a dentist by the first tooth or the first age, uh, number one age. So 
uh, I ended up changing the name of the practices to every one by one. And uh, what that meant, it said nothing about dental. I wanted to focus more on health and uh, less on teeth. And uh, uh, that what that meant is that we saw everyone and we wanted them there by age one. Well, when that happened, I've never done a lot of marketing in my career. Um, and when that happened, the largest pediatrician group in Seattle started saying, have you had your every one by one visit to all their patients and all their parents in the well child visit? Well, what happened then was explosion. <laughs> and uh, and whereas I was kind of getting this uh, potpourri of uh, various ages from zero to 14 as a pediatric dentist, I usually graduated the kids around 14 to the general dentist. And, um, but what happened is I started to get all these infants and the infants, uh, although I was really good at doing knee to knee exams about seven months old to about, um, they started getting younger and younger and younger and patients started coming to me and I was like, okay, you know, uh, we'll figure this out and you can come to me when your baby's you know, two months old. And that's when I really started hearing um, the stories. And the stories are amazing from the mothers, uh, specifically, and the, and the mothers and fathers about breastfeeding and uh, mastitis, clogged ducts, infection, nipple pain. Um, and really, at that initial stage, I didn't even realize I was, um, uh, you know, recognizing oral dysfunction at a super, super young age. So I dove in and started to uh, uh, track the kids in the office, meaning their symptoms, uh, because we were keeping the kids really clean. And the older kids had all these problems, right, with uh, collapsed arches and uh, trouble, uh, open mouth breathing and uh, dry lips and, and high palatal arches and all the things we talk about when we talk about airway of kids. And that part was kind of not new to me, but I was just kind of having these light moments. And I think everybody in this vertical has an aha moment, mm -hmm. uh, as I see Todd and Brittany. And uh, what was your aha moment, do you think, along the way? Honestly, it wasn't until I took my first myofunctional therapy course. I read about it randomly in an RDH magazine. It was by Joy Moeller. And I never heard of myofunctional therapy. And I had kind of gone back and forth of like going back to school to get my master's, but I didn't really want to get out of clinical hygiene because I love being with patients. And, you know, I probably would have ended, ended up going into, I don't know, I don't know, something. I just knew I wanted to do clinical hygiene at that time. And then when I went for that course, again, I had no idea what it was. I did a little research and I was like, wow, this sounds really cool. How do I not know about this? And as you know, a lot of the courses are international. And this one was in New York and I'm from Connecticut. I didn't have to hop on a plane. So I was like, Oh boy, I'm doing this. So that was February. I went in April and I sat there and, you know, yes, we love continuing education courses, but by the end of a four day course, you're like, Oh God, I need to go home. Like this is way too much. And I didn't want to leave. I just was like, my mind was so blown. I was just thinking about all the patients in my chair. Like, wow, that makes so much sense. How, how did I not learn this in hygiene school? It's wild. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's a great story. And I, I love hearing those stories. And, and I really feel like what that feeling is. And I had that feeling back in pediatric dentistry when I was, you know, in halfway into my career and is that feeling of like how many, how many patients passed through your hands where you didn't recognize it. And that, that almost like internal desire to not let that happen anymore. Yes. And so so that was my light bulb. And really what I was doing at that early stage was recognizing the symptoms in the older kids and could it be uh, 
but really this early stage at infant suck swallow breastfeeding or bottle. So, um, and, and I did something pretty radical at that point. I, I decided at the, probably what was heading towards the peak of my, my career. Um, and I had a young family, I decided to walk away. And uh, it was tough. I had built an amazing culture under everyone by one with an amazing team who I still love dearly, um, but I ended up selling the practices. And so I took about a year um, of want, I call it wandering. Uh, <laughs> and it was great. It was a great year. I just, I, I could get on a plane and go wherever I wanted to find whoever I wanted to, to ask questions. And, and at that point I was knocking on people's doors and they were like, who are you and why are you here? You know, and uh, so I just had questions and those those people would lead me to more people. And, and I just kept going and I ran into to names like Joyce and, and um, Dr. Gahari and Marty Kaplan and Richard Baxter and Mike Mew and all those big names that we know now. And so so I, I, I owe a lot to a lot of people. So so I, I, I honestly didn't really feel like I was heading back towards dentistry at that point. I had signed a large non-compete, but then really when I started to put together the piece about breastfeeding, I decided that I would use my talents and brand to build a brand and see if we could start to convert the medical side, um, which I knew was, I had done a lot in pediatric dentistry with the pediatrician. So I had a lot of allies on my side. And, uh, but the brand at first wasn't really understood. The, the play on health latch originally was latching onto the breast, the health colon latch. And I think a lot of people understood that but it wasn't until I started to really push the message using uh, technology. A lot of people know that I'm not a technology guru, but I definitely use technology to incorporate and push the message. I run an entire clinic here with just two people, myself and an, uh, an amazing naturopath. And so we, we owe a health latch and it was a bumpy start. Uh, just trying to, I, I was given away just exams uh, just to kind of get it going. I was struggling a little bit with insurance, but we made it through. And uh, now we've grown, I'm fast forwarding to today, where people are coming from all over the state uh, to see us here. And I've kind of taken it to an uber level at Health Latch, where we look at plagiocephaly, GI problems, uh, torticollis, craniosacral, vagus nerve, and oral tethers. Where oral tethers was kind of the pillar of why I started Health Latch, it is definitely not the main show anymore. Uh, oral tethers is something I do very well. I've treated 6,000 babies at this point. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and really we kind of, I built a system. I used my talents and system and, and brand, but the neatest thing about the brand, you know, whereas back in pediatric dentistry, the pediatrician started to say, have you had your every one by one visit? Uh, people are now saying, have do you, you, you need a flash, right? You, they, and I, I hear these stories now and it's really neat because, and it's a lot of hard work to get it to that point and a lot of videos and a lot of encrypted texts to, and a lot of side talks with pediatricians. And, um, but what started as three providers that refer me a baby, uh, which was a midwife, a chiropractor and a doula, that's, how, that's what I started with, has now grown into about 1700 different physicians that have sent me a baby across of Seattle. Wow. Um, people, people started contacting me because in the, in the brand kind of pivot from latching onto the breast to latching onto health, because every family that comes into health latch for their four to five day old baby, uh, gets the whole story about airway, you know, and really anticipatory guidance, uh, through videos. Some of it's through videos. That doesn't mean I'm sitting and having this long discussion about, you know, nasal peak and nasal, 
breathing, um, but they get the whole story. So the brand is really into uh, this brand of just go there. They'll triage all of your problems. So on a daily basis, we take on, we take on reflux. We solve reflux. We solve, like I said, plagiocephaly. Um, some things that are, are just kind of like, oh, it's going to get better. You know, it's going to take care of itself. And, and so the, what I call the transformations have, have gotten larger and larger and larger. So, so then the next phase, as we get to the, what I call the third stage of uh, where we're at now, is the technology was working. And, and uh, what I mean by technology is I run the office using encrypted text and video. I, I average... To put it in perspective, I just looked, you know, it's the end of the year. And this year I, I shot, personally, I shot 60,000 texts. And that's between patients, that's between providers. So I do not use a phone at all. And that was the limiting factor of growing the mission. And uh, I've shot about 7,000 asynchronous videos, which means videos where I click on a button, I record myself saying some advice, some counsel, uh, whether it be for a patient, a provider, a referring source, um, and then I hit send. So I don't use any emails anymore. I don't sit down. I mean, imagine, right, Brittany, if you had to write, like some patient asked you a question about nasal breathing, right? Mm -hmm. And you had to sit down and write a super long email, you know, how much time would that take? And so part of sharing my message has been using technology. Okay. So, um, so the next, the next phase was people started contacting me about Health Flash, which is great. And a lot of those people uh, were not patient, gonna be patients, so, which was fine. Uh, I spend a lot of my day uh, helping people find uh, places to go from all over the country and all over the world. And I use the technology to do that. Patients that I'll never see. Uh, like I have uh, Zoom calls with parents that are seven months old and I only see zero to three months. Um, and a lot of people, like, how do you only have a practice that only sees people zero to three months? And I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. It's enough. It's enough. There's enough in zero to three months. And, and in order to fulfill the mission of Health Latch, um, I, I really wanted to take on the, the younger kids. Um, because, because, you know, and where that comes from is being a very, very stickler about where we're going with the mission. Um, and, and a lot of pediatricians were saying, well, your baby's growing on a growth curve. Why would you do anything? And, uh, and it's not just pediatricians. I, I have values set that we really need to educate primary care. Uh, I believe in that because all these kids are going through primary care. None of us got this in dental school. None of us got this in medical school. So it's not our job to say, why didn't you catch this? It's our job to educate. Um, so, so yeah, I, I've done a lot of education to, to, to get it to this point. And uh, so when people started contacting me, uh, it got, it went from about two a day to about 25 a day. Um, I eventually built a chat bot to handle a lot of it stuff. When I throw out these words like encrypted text and chat bot, that is not me. I, I, that's the one thing I like to tell people. I don't want them to think I'm some internet guru. I'm the guy that when my printer breaks, I Google it or I YouTube it to try to get my printer back online. <laughs> but, but what I, what I truly am is relentless about problem solving. And, um, I've had to learn a lot about technology, um, and uh, so that's what brought me to the health at circle was, you know, I think you probably have a million stories, Brittany, about what you've seen on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And 
how, um, how I don't think it's really great for where we're heading. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation and I will tell you the heart and soul of everything I do. Um, I think there is a lot of parents out there that are very confused because yes, there's a massive amount of information, but they actually can't figure out what is the correct information. Would you agree? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And you know, whether it's social media and even you talking about how we have to educate, you know, the medical world and the primary care and all of that, because they'll hear different things from their dental providers that are now in airway and recognize all of this. And then going back to their pediatrician or, you know, for me, I even have a lot of, well, we have a family friend, periodontist, you know, we're going to ask him about what he thinks about Johnny's tongue tie. And I'm like, okay. Like, I mean, I can't say you can't do that. And I'm not going to say that he doesn't, you know, he's not able to properly diagnose, but I always give the parents, okay, I have no problem with that, but I'm going to give you this list of questions. And I just want you to ask him them. And if he wants to give me a call, here's my business card. Also, I'd love to have a conversation with him because as you know, not functions, not being assessed correctly. So it's one thing for something to look one way, you know, or like you said, if the, if the infant, the baby's growing, you know, growing and gaining the weight they need to, then a pediatrician might say, well, no, he's fine. There's nothing wrong. So I totally agree with you. And yes, with Facebook, with all the groups, I know people are just trying to help. Like, I know they're not doing it from a, you know, negative place, but there's a lot of, like you said, misinformation, a lot of opinions out there. And I'm not a mother yet. I hope someday to be, but I can't imagine the frustration that these moms have, you know, coming into you. I, so my heart breaks for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, we hear those stories every single day. And to be honest, in order to focus on clinical care, when we have a baby that we need to feed, mm-hmm. um, the parents, the parents want to vent that story. They, right. they, it's almost a part of them that they were like, I saw four people. I asked people on Facebook, why didn't anybody catch this? Now mm-hmm. my baby's three months and I have all these problems and, and they're frustrated. And so I actually asked them to radically kind of tell their story online. Um, I think that's the good stuff, but, but yeah. really at the heart, really at the heart, Facebook was to connect us. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't to advise us really. Right. And that's unfortunately where it's, it's kind of gone astray. And I think Facebook even knows they have a problem. So, um, so yeah, so the next phase was uh, to kind of start something uh, that uh, was going to help connect people and really start to build some content that was really just kind of solid, what I call pillar content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where we're at. And I, and I want people to know, as, and I really have a heart for the people that have joined the Health at Circle already, whether they be a, a parent for free or a provider that pays a membership fee to be part of the Health at Circle. Um, I guess the things I want them to know about it is number one, I built it very, very well. Um, originally, originally I didn't, to be honest with you, I, I was just like, okay, gosh, darn it. We need a directory of some kind, you know? And, and I literally built this like backend software that was just like this list of names. And, and then I didn't, I don't, I'm with brand, I'm really particular. So I didn't like how it looked. Mm -hmm. And so that I built a Squareface page to basically be the front of the house. And, and it was probably a $1,500 project for me. And 
I was at a speech and I kind of announced it at the speech and people got really excited about it. And they were just like, oh my gosh. And it wasn't even on yet. It wasn't even live. And like six people from the audience figured out somehow to, how to get on. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, this is needed. And, and then I quickly started to play with what I had built. And I realized that it wasn't viable for the long term. Started to educate myself on what it would take to, to be viable. And so um, the Health Lab Circle is uh, what is now a two-year project. I have uh, a team of what is now seven people from across the world that built it. Um, it could handle, I, I just put it in the perspective of this. If, uh, if 100 people came to the Health Lab Circle today or 100 million people came to the Health Lab Circle today, it could handle that traffic. And, um, and what I mean by that is it's all linked to analytics and what questions they're asking and what they're clicking on and how to connect. Um, but at the end of the day, um, there's what are called, uh, there's pillar pages and there's one pillar page up right now, which is the, the one about tongue tie mm-hmm. because our, you know, my, uh, the person that I'm working with, with the optimiza- optimization of searching for on the web it's very clear that the word tongue tie unfortunately and i say unfortunately and i'll explain that in a second is the number one word everybody's looking for right they're just there's actually people that are obsessed about the word uh, at this point and uh but it's got a hundred percent conversion rate on the internet which means that when people are seeking that word they stay on that word they go to the next page they read the next page and they keep going and going and going and so it doesn't have a lot of bounce is the, the technical term. And so, um, so the, the pillar page that you'll see on the, the learn section of the Health Life Circle, right on the homepage, we talk about learn, trust, thrive, because I, I do believe we have to build trust and I want people to eventually thrive. And so you'll see a lot of, you know, uh, you know, like I say, my values are radically kind, fiercely patient, disruptively brave and defiantly joyful. I say that our our laws are functionalists, proceduralists, and structuralists. And, and I know this is a, you know, not a visual, uh, so I can't really show it to you, um, but there's even principles above that. And the principles are things that never change like gravity. And those principles are, are intu- <clears throat> excuse me, intuition, awareness, and advocacy. And I really, truly believe in those words. And it's really, really important that we start to help the general public and the other physicians understand that. And um, so just to take one of those categories, um, I really, truly believe that people in general that are out there know they have a health problem. They might not know exactly what it is, but they know something's going on. And on the baby sides, I, I, I talk intimately with parents about trusting their intuition. Because when I work with the babies, I'm somewhat helping them parent as well and think about concepts and giving them book like breath and giving them book books that they can read to kind of form those those initial concepts of parenting and so intuition is that little thing that little whisper that something's wrong with my baby for an adult it's like i don't think i'm sleeping very well right or um a parent with a toddler it's like why when i put this morsel on the back of their tongue do they gag every time you know that's the intuition that we need to help parents start to mobilize them the awareness portion is that's the second principle the awareness is is just basically that we we don't need everybody to have the right answer right and that's what people are seeking on facebook they're like what is the right answer just tell me the right answer um, we just have to help them come to awareness right that they're aware that there's a problem and then help them start an educational journey to, to make wise decisions. And the last one is advocacy. 
And I struggled with that one uh, because I'm a super positive guy and I like everything to have a positive spin. I'm radically kind and fiercely patient. Those are the values that we stand by. But advocacy is just kind of the negative spin on it is that really no one's going to fight for your health. Unfortunately, these days you have to pick up all and pull up your boots and, and, and dive in and find the right sources and eventually find the right people. And that's what the health circle is all about. So, so at its base right now, where it's at is people are joining. Uh, I always uh, give a shout out to my myofunctional specialists because they're kind of my like guru right now that totally get this. I mean, they're, I can't say enough. I get emails from myofunctional specialists and they're like, finally, someone is give, putting a spotlight on us. I you know? feel like as a myofunctional therapist, I feel like we're in the center of it all. And it's yeah. like, do you know what I mean? So to be able to have a location that brings everybody together and especially to get the medical side on it is amazing because that's, you know, the biggest struggle I feel for us is getting an ENT on board or getting, you know, that pediatric dentist to start looking inside the mouth a little bit more, maybe not having to, you know, go take a course on the whole thing, but at least knowing, okay, you know what, I need to refer to, you know, whether it's the dentist that's going to do the procedure or the feeding specialist or whoever it's going to be, but just becoming, having the knowledge to know. And like you said, they have so much that they need to know, you know, you can't get mad at them for not knowing something they didn't learn in school, but having this like centralized location, I just love everything about how it's, you know, it's for the parents, it's for, you know, us as professionals. And I love, 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 love how you break it. The three laws, the, the structuralists, uh, proceduralists and, uh, functionalists. Yeah. That's just brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. And it's been a lot of work and a lot of counsel that have brought me to these words. It's been focus groups. And, and, and I mean, let's talk about that just briefly, because I'd, I'd say out of the health circle, that's the thing that's misunderstood the most, which mm -hmm. is functionalist, structuralist, structuralist. And why it's misunderstood is I think the providers get it, but they're like, don't put me in a box. Don't put <laughs> me in a box. I am a super talented and, yeah. I, you know, you you know, there's people out there that are IBCLCs that are also doing the procedure yep. that might even be doing something else that's more yep. structural. You know? um, but there's, there's two things about it that I need the providers to understand mm -hmm. that, that right now we're in a me-centric uh, uh, spotlight of airway, really. Mm -hmm. It's like, I need to learn and I'm taking CE courses and I, it's all I, 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 right? Because everybody's trying to catch up and learn together, right? And people are taking uber amounts of CE, which is great. But at the end of the day, the health lash circle is really for the end consumer. And the end consumer, the end consumer does not come to the health lash circle and is like, hey, guess what? I need a myofunctional specialist for my oral dysfunction. You know, <laughs> they're literally, you know, like, I think I have this intuition of a problem mm -hmm. and, and really they understand that they, they can maybe understand the concept that it's a functional problem, that they're not sucking and swallowing correctly mm -hmm. at, at its base. So, so no, and, and so in order to build that, um, what is the functionalist proceduralist and structuralist, and I want people to start to understand it flows in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
in the early days of all this, people were just going to get a tongue tie, right? They weren't even talking about getting, and the providers really weren't recommending that they go see a myofunctional specialist on top of it, or a speech and language pathologist, or an occupational therapist, depending on the age. They were just clipping tongues or lasering tongues, and, and that was it, right? And so we saw that that was a problem, right? So I want people to start to understand there's this flow. And uh, to build those three categories was very difficult because I actually had to build three softwares and actually merge them into one, oh, wow. uh, especially, when it come, especially when it comes to the fee. The, I know the functionalists don't, don't generate as much revenue. So I didn't want them to have to pay the same amount as the proceduralists and structuralists. Mm -hmm. So because um, I wanted to invite as many people as possible. I sought out counsel from each of those categories to actually come up with a number that could support the health lab circle in time um, and keep that, you know, uh, reinvesting that revenue back into the health lab circle. Um, so, so yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. I, I really do feel like it's a living document, the health lab circle, it's going to change, it's going to evolve, but, but what does it need right now? It needs an influx of members so I can take those finances and start to make things happen. Mm -hmm. What's on the table right now? Um, there is a plan, which I will not pull the trigger on until there's more members to actually build a HIPAA compliant terminal inside the health lab circle meaning that you in one state could share records with a provider in ENT in another state or locally, right? And um, that's totally possible. The team I built can totally do it, but I just need that influx, you know, because I've been supporting this for so long and it's, it's not inexpensive to support the health lab circle. I want people to know that. It's uh, to hold a team that's constantly interviewing people uh, like yourself in writing stories and creating content. And we have meetings twice a week. Um, my copywriter is in Colombia. My software engineer is in Costa Rica. And my main, uh, you know, kind of flow of everything for the Health Lab Circle is in Spain. Uh, wow. So we're, we're kind of worldwide. And, and, and it took me a while to find the right team. Uh, the team was really important for me, but I actually support them. I support seven people. Um, so the, the joke I in my actual clinic where we're buzzing and hopping and running, it's me and Dr. Gormley with no team, no staff. Uh, I, I answer every text. I send every video. I treat every patient. Uh, she's amazing. She's a deaf, naturopath, functional medicine, cranial sacral PT. Wow. And, uh, and the two of us uh, triage babies all day long. But it's just the two of us trying to keep this thing alive during COVID. But then I have this other vehicle that's called the Health Lab Circle that has got about 50 members now, which is great. I, that was my goal by the end of uh, 2020 to have 50 members. And my goal by next, the end of 2021 is to have 500 members. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we'll get there. Yep. And, uh, but that is, that's where my team is and they are just more IT driven. So, so hopefully that gives the viewer a uh, snapshot of it. Um, I think probably talking a little bit about circles, you know, cause uh, that's another concept. Uh, the easiest way for me to describe the circles is like LinkedIn. Everybody knows what LinkedIn is. And you go on there as a business person and you say, hey, um, I know this person and we connected and we, we swapped information. And, and it's just like, it's just like a, a canvas to pick different people from to, to maybe solve problems in business, okay? Now, uh, the Health Lab Circle is uh, 
people can, once membership grows on the professional side, they can actually say, hey, I work with Brittany and I work with this lactation consultant. I work with this and, and that creates your circle. You can actually link those people together. The neatest part about it is on the parent side, they can create their own circles, meaning that they had a teenager that had a tongue tie and needed myofunctional and, and maybe uh, an orthodontist as well, or in a myo brace and all these different things. And they can create that circle. And then that's what they can share on Facebook. They could actually say, here is my profile. Here is my circle. If you have a child in this zip code, then here is the circle of people. Um, in the in this in the stories uh, that are out there that are starting to happen, there are people are starting to understand that circle is really cool for me because you work on these projects for so long and you're kind of drinking the Kool-Aid like this is going to end up somewhere cool. And so just to have little interactions at this early stage where a patient from the outside finds a provider and they send them a text message uh, or send them a message through their portal uh, inside the Health Lab Circle asking for help uh, is awesome. That's really cool stuff for me. So the connections are starting to happen. So that kind of gives the viewer a little bit of a gist of behind the circles. Uh, the circles themselves won't become powerful until there's more members. Uh, parents, are, parents and patients are joining uh, pretty quickly and providers I think are coming. Uh, but my, my meeting after this is with a PN, uh, pediatric ENT from the Midwest, you know? And so he came to me because he's got 300 pediatric ENTs across the country and around the world that they're seeing the problem. And he's one of those, um, what I would say is a visionary on the medical side. Um, and, uh, and real briefly, uh, before we move on uh, off the topic of the circle, this is how I see it. And, and I think people need to understand this is dental is the workforce for all of this, right? We are the people that are inside the mouth, you know, um, or at least oral facial um, professionals. Mm -hmm. We are inside the mouth. We have um, active recalls usually, right? Six month recalls. We're seeing patients multiple times so we can kind of chart things and monitor things. So we're the workforce. You know, on the medical side, they just don't see patients like that. They see patients and they solve a problem and then that problem goes away hopefully and then life moves on. So to say that this is not going to run through dental is, is kind of absurd because the workforce is the dental and, and the oral facial. So, so that's the, that's the connection we have to make with medicine is like, we, we need you totally, we totally need you pediatric ENT and oral surgeon and uh, head and neck surgeon and all the talented people that are there on the medical sides. Um, I've even had some pediatricians reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm not a functionalist, a proceduralist, or a structuralist, but I want to be part of the health life circle, which is awesome, you know, yeah. that that's starting to happen. So we're looking at making ambassadors for the health life circle. And what that would be is just a, a free account for a primary care physician to say, you know what, I send patients here just to get information and I believe in what these people believe in. So, so that's kind of the cool stuff that is starting to happen in, in these early days. I mean, I just launched it. I soft launched August. And then I started to promote it in like uh, October. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm really happy with how far we've gotten so quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And the amount of work you must have put in to get it done and picking the right team even to, you know, help you get the job done. I mean, yeah. we all thank you 
You know, now yeah. you, you give us the easy part. We just have to join. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to give for instances because as the viewers of your, your podcast are out there, like at this point with what I've built, anybody could come to me with any idea and there's a good chance that we could make it happen. Like if they came to me and said, all right, membership has grown in the health life circle, which is awesome, right? And I'm in, um, I'm in the Appalachian states, right? And I wanna get together all the myofunctional specialists that are in that area and have a once a month, right? And can you make that happen? And for us, that would be a couple of clicks of a button. Right. Because we know where they live. It's mm -hmm. all zip code based. Yeah. I could then send out an email to all those people and say on the first of the month, here's your leader. She's going to do case studies. And, and here's the Zoom link. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Can you see the power in that? Right. Oh God, yeah. um, so we got to move from paper. Right. We got to move from paper, which is where we're at now. I mean, I know we're past paper, yeah. but that's kind of kind of where we're at moving wise. Um, and we've got to get some momentum. And uh, I'm a big lover of uh, John Maxwell. A lot of me inside of me is John Maxwell, if you know who that is. And he always talks about momentum, right? And he talks about a train going down, you know, downhill. And you can take that train and you can put a five foot wide cement barrier on the tracks and that train at you know 50 miles an hour with all that weight and hit that hit that wall and blast right through it right mm -hmm. but if you took that same train and you put it in front of a one inch cement wall and you put blocks underneath the wheels from a standstill and mm -hmm. ran it up against that that wall it could not move through that wall so so for, for me something like the health life circle is what's needed for, you know, babies, for toddlers, for teens, for tweens all over the world that we can connect providers with. So I'm hoping your podcast goes all over the world, Brittany. Oh, it does. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> So well, when I, when I when I looked up who you had on here, I was a little nervous. You got James Nestor and you pulled in some big names. I was so um, excited too. So um, yes, I had, I had James on in the summer and then I actually had the amazing opportunity to go on his, um, he does like a, he calls it expert Q and a that he links on like his website and his social media. And he actually just put out the one that we recorded. Um, I don't even remember when we recorded it, but I'm so excited. I love, I mean, everybody loves the book breath, but the coolest thing I love, I, I think is that you know, he didn't, it's, it's like, he's not, he's biased or he's not biased. I'm sorry. He had nothing in it to write this book, right? It came from all personal experience. And obviously he used his career of journalism to go and talk with all these people and interview and educate himself, but it's different. You know, it's, it's, I feel like for um, you know, the general pop population to read that book versus one that maybe, uh, proceduralist might've written is totally different, you know, and I'm sure you agree with that. And that's where I think like the power is in that book. It's just, it's so amazing. It drives just the point home and it's, it's such an easy read. Um, yeah. and I don't know, I listened to the audio version too, after I read it and even his voice is just so easy to listen to. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. And it's going to take all of us, you know, I feel like my, my piece is the brand piece, you know, mm -hmm. that's where I feel like my promotion and brand is really yeah. where I lie. And 
And I think the people who know me, I don't pretend to be a big name like Zaggy or, you know, Sarah Hornsby or all these amazing people that are out there, Richard Baxter. And, um, but, uh, but I think a lot of people know of me and they know my DNA and they know that I'm going to do this organically and I'm not going to push this through. I mean, if people want to join, people want to join. The, the thing I think is amazing at this point is like Ann O'Connor, who's a myofunctional specialist, joined the Health Lash Circle and she is still in the startup portion of getting her myofunctional business going. So it's just that, and what I believe she's saying is she's saying, I believe, I believe, I believe in this movement, right? She's, she's go, I'm willing to, because really finances, right, is what we're placing back, right? When someone decides to place down their finances to go seek myofunctional therapy, they're putting their, they're saying, I value this. I value my suck swallow. Right. And so I, I think that's the kind of piece that's missing from airway is that we've got to let the world know that it's a belief, right? It's a belief that you could breathe better, that you could have a better day at work, that you won't fall asleep at the wheel. It's a belief that you'll be there to walk your daughter down the aisle because you're going to be a healthier person. And I think that's why a lot of people resonate with James's book. Uh, because it was written with this belief in the lost art of breathing. So, so yeah, so I, you know, I, I see those big picture concepts and, and I love that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I think all the pains, because really uh, a lot of this has been uphill for me. Uh, nothing happens when you're going downhill. It all happens when you're going uphill. And uh, it's the pains that have brought me to this place uh, of the health art circle. Yeah. Amazing. And this kind of brings me to my next question when we're talking about beliefs. Um, I feel like on every episode that I do of this podcast, we always talk about early intervention. And if anybody lives early intervention, working with zero to three months, it's you. Um, so if you were in a room of like your graduating class from dental school, how would you talk about this with them and early intervention? Because like you said, it's not something you really learn in dental school, even as a pediatric dentist, not that early intervention. Yeah. Yeah. No, great question. So I think the thing is, is that people can look at a baby or, you know, everybody wants to help a baby, right? No one, <laughs> no one doesn't want to help a baby. And why is that is because, well, they're darn cute, but, uh, but they know that's the beginning of life, right? And what happens at the beginning of life, an adult can say, look back and say, I wish I was better, right? And, and really we're helping that beginning stage. So that's the neat part about it. It's a blank canvas. Um, but I'll, I'll talk specifically to what I do here at the Health Lodge Clinic, zero to three months. I see, I can actually, because of the volume and we learn a lot from just experience, right? Experience matters is what I always say. Um, I can actually see in a three month old, I can, I can actually visually picture, picture it like a matrix of events that's about to happen if I don't help this baby. And, and some of that's because I did see a high volume of older kids, right? And I saw the maxillary collapse and the crowded teeth and the, the need for, for cereal extraction and um, the inability to swallow their own saliva um, and all those things. But this is the, how I'll put it. Um, baby's supposed to grow, baby is born, loses a little bit of weight, breast milk comes in or, or milk comes into play, uh, starts to grow. And unfortunately, 
a lot of times that th this whole issue of tongue tie and I, and, and I like to put it on my heart and not blame other people, but that's where I go back to the talk we had in the early portions of the podcast about how we bang people over the head with tongue tie, right? We have literally taken the word tongue tie and thrown it at the medical community like, like this, tongue tie, tongue tie, tongue tie, tongue tie, tongue tie, tongue tie, tongue tie. And if you heard that all day long, you would literally just cover your ears and just say, stop saying tongue tie, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I know that's a little bit of how we fell into this and figured this out, but if we would have started with a mes messaging of thriving, feeding, breathing, um, and then told them that whole concept. Mm -hmm. And then if they eventually said, Hey, what do you think is causing all these problems? Mm -hmm. I do this little procedure called a, uh, a tongue tie release or ankyloglossia release. And, uh, this is how I do it. And then, then the babies then thrive to go on. Right. It would have been probably a very different collaborative story. Right. So, um, so with the babies, uh, you know, they're supposed to gain about an ounce a day for the first three months, and then it changes after that. So that's the goal. All the parents are told that, and all the pediatricians and primary care physicians are charting it, right? And everybody gets kind of scared when they don't, they're not in that percentile. I mean, how many parents have you heard, even though you don't have kids yet, but how many parents have you heard say, my kid's in the 99.9 percentile, and then there's other parents that'll say, Unfortunately, my child is, you know, in the 10 percentile, right? And they get really scared. And, and so um, my sweet spot on the babies is five to 15 days old. And that is when the baby's born, you know, there's recognition. I like jaundice to go away. I like milk, mom's milk to be in. I like them to have seen a lactation consultant before they see me um, and maybe even started cranial sacral. But the fifth day is kind of like the day I like, I feel comfortable uh, treating. I can treat before that, but I find that if the baby's super sleepy and jaundice and you do a procedure on a baby with tired parents, you now have made a tougher situation for them. And so, and then there's not a lot of saliva from the zero to five day point. It starts to kick in a little bit later and that helps with wound care. The more saliva in the mouth, the faster the wound heals, the bigger the chance for scarring. Uh, we have a lot less scarring with the laser, but, but, uh, but, but I like that. That's my sweet spot. And usually when I treat a baby at that point, they kind of boom, it's like one follow-up and off they go. Right. And then we support them with craniosacral and other providers that they need SLPs and, and we do all that. But what happens is, you know, once they get to like 15 to 20 days, even, you know, and it's amazing that I can get it down to those days, they start to, they start to get a chompy suck. They, they're basically, their, their tongue is attached to their lower jaw. And the only thing they can do is lift that lower jaw. And they now have this kind of alligator kind of, I'm destroying mom. I'm going to do whatever I have to, to get that milk. Right. And that's the story you hear. And unfortunately, again, on the emotional side of things, a lot of those moms are just told to suck it up. You know, that, you know, this, this isn't a problem. Your baby's, fine. <laughs> yep. Your baby's growing just fine. And, and, and let's talk a little bit just for a second about that growth. And, and again, it's breaking it down into more simple terms. Um, everybody's gonna grow. I, I don't wanna say everybody, but the majority of people are gonna grow because we compensate for their growth. If they're not growing, what do we do? We make a plan to make them grow, right? Mm -hmm. 
I talk a lot, I've hit a home run with my parents here at Health Labs talking about passive versus active feeders. Mm -hmm. So a passive feeder is basically a tongue restricted baby that has, or maybe even not even tongue restricted, maybe they just have oral dysfunction mm -hmm. and they're just sitting there and their mouth is open and they have lip blisters everywhere because they're just holding on and their tongue's not really moving and the milk is just because of mom's uh, enormous letdown maybe is just dropping on the tongue and then it's just being engulfed, right? So that's not active feeding. That's just mm -hmm. passive feeding. And um, active feeding where is where the baby's tongue is released. It goes up to the palate, it cups, it stays up high, lower jaw goes up and down and that it creates a suction, the lips are flared out and the baby is actually drawing the milk. Well, the thing that's amazing is all the systems I built about at the Health Lash Clinic all relate to the physiology of the body. And where I suggest feeding, if, if that's the goal, and, and at Health Lash, the mom's goal is our goal. It doesn't matter if they're bottle or breast, it's your goal. We'll help you try to get to your goal. Um, it, you know, the hormones of the mom will carry the milk supply to seven weeks, okay? And at seven or eight weeks, that hormonal supply turns off. And the only thing that keeps breastfeeding going and milk supply going is that the baby is actually an active feeder, okay? So where, if, if I could speak to the top of the top lactation consultant out there that's running the whole pyramid of all the lactation consultants education, I would, I would probably say your brand has to be about talking about passive versus active feeders. You know, I know they help with amazing things with nipple shields and supply and latch and position and, and all those things. They're super talented. But at the end of the day, that can all get confusing in a mom's in a, a tired head. But if they literally just talked about passive versus active feeding, they actually would see a lot more recall because the only thing that tells a, a young family if their baby is actually an active feeder, feeder is the before and after weighted feeds with an amazing lactation consultant, okay? So they would continue to go back to the lactation consultant to see that metric, to see that number. It's almost like a sleep test for an ENT, right? You don't know how you're sleeping until you have a sleep test that shows you a number about how little you're breathing at night, right? So, so I talk a lot about passive versus active feeders. So now that's like the 15 to 20 day year old baby, 20 day baby. Now, once we get past a month, let's say two months and three months, those babies now have a lot of problems because that oral restriction, that oral dysfunction has now caused a bigger problem, right? They now have uh, gagging issues and choking issues, and they obviously have lip blisters in their facial muscles already. They're, they're lifting their platysmus. They're, they're doing whatever they have to, to honestly ravage the mother to get the milk. And and that causes kinks in the neck, right? They now have sternocleidomastoids that are kind of overused on one side and, and the more uncomfortable the baby. Um, so, so they need cranial sacral. We need to get their hands open and relaxed and relaxed feeding. So, so what I'm I would try to tell that classroom, going back to your original question, is the earlier the better, you know? And for so long, the orthodontic community, you know, has struggled because they have, you know, the mantra out there was like, you're treating too early, right? I mean, not that long ago, the orthodontic community was somewhat being crucified for seeing younger and younger and younger. Right. Well, if we were to fast forward 10 years on this movement, 
I mean, that's going to be the mantra. It's going to be, you know, orthodontists got to get ready for some behavior management because there's going to be four-year-olds rolling into their clinics now next to the, uh, you know, uh, 35-year-old beautiful uh, adult that wants Invisalign. You know, right. that is that is where we're heading. So, so hopefully that would give that classroom of people a vision of what I see on a baby, which eventually becomes a toddler, which eventually becomes a dysfunctional teen that probably has a behavioral issue, right? Because what we're seeing, right, is oral dysfunction as a baby turns to structural change and structural change leads to behavioral issue. Um, so it's for me, um, when I am touching literally a four day old, that's what I'm thinking about. And, and the neat thing about the Health Latch Clinic and all the technology I use because I don't do it all chair side, it's all done really before the patient even comes in, okay. is they understand the big picture. They mm -hmm. understand what is tongue up, lip sealed, shoulder. You know, that's, that's my, my, my big three things because Sharon Moore in Australia taught me that if your lips are sealed, what are you doing? You're breathing through your nose. So it allowed me to add, allowed her to show me to add posture to that. Cause I always used to say tongue up, lip sealed, breathe through the nose. Mm -hmm. uh, but the neat thing is, is if your lips are sealed, you're automatically breathing through the nose. So, so there's amazing providers out there doing amazing things. We just got to get all the cats in the same room, <laughs> communicating and help them with administrative communication um, because the one thing I say all the time about the health lab circle, and, and this is going to sound a little negative from a positive guy is we can talk all day long about collaboration. We can talk until we're blue in the face about collaboration and like, let's go uphill and let's collaborate. Right. But until there's an actual tool to collaborate on collaboration is not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to do with the health lab circle and it's going to change over time as we grow and get better and better. I know that uh, I built an amazing team to do it. It's I'm trying to build a collaborative platform for us all to help these patients. Because at the end of the day, that's the goal is to help the patient. Absolutely. So does that, does that give you a, a, a long-winded answer around what I would tell a, a young group of students? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And you know, hopefully someday soon it's taught at an actual dental school and not, you know, not after, but for now we do what we can. And we have, you know, now this amazing platform that you've built to bring people together. Um, and it, it, it's so multidimensional. Again, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. So thank you again. <laughs> no problem. No problem. It's, it's exciting. You know, for me, it's exciting to see it actually go, you know? Oh, I'm um, sure. Uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm radically, I truly am radically kind, fiercely patient, disruptively brave was the health life circle and defiantly joyful. That's really what we're looking for in life. We're not looking for happiness. We're looking for joy. And so that's, I really, truly believe in principles, laws, and, and, and values. And, and you're going to see that consistent throughout the health life circle, whether it's today or 10 years from now. Absolutely. Um, a couple, a couple more questions I just wanted to ask before we kind of wrap things up and you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but well, actually, I guess I'm, I lied. I'm going to ask two questions. One is how your phrenectomies changed, you know, since you added a CO2 laser to your practice. And the other question I love to ask, um, all the providers that I have on here is how you explain tongue tie to your parents. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, let's handle the laser question uh, uh, first. Um, I'm not a promoter anything. No one cares about me. No one pays me for anything. Let's disclose that really quickly. No one really cares who James Thomas is right now. Um, so that's my disclosure. Uh, the laser, uh, for me, it's visual. And, and most people don't talk about that at all. I could not do what I do on some of these babies without being visually being able to see it. So that means no blood, right? That there's no bleeding that's blocking my visual field. And so that's another basic concept. We can talk about lasers all day long and all the things they do and the wavelengths and all that kind of stuff. But at the base of it is like, guess what? I can see what I'm doing, <laughs> you know? So, um, and the neat thing about me is I've made that track. I was originally scalpel and then scissors and then diode. And I used it one time and I, I can't believe I bought it, but I used it one time and I, I used it on a baby and I quickly was this, this can't be the right tool. There's no way that it would take me this long to treat a baby. I need this to be faster. I need it to not smell. I need the baby to have a quicker recovery. And so for me, and, and there's providers probably out there and there's providers on the health that circle that'll eventually use a diode and everybody has to decide what their tool is, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, it was about being fast, efficient and, and get the job done in a way that the patient with the baby specifically would heal quickly. And for me, it just landed on a CO2 laser after a lot of education of myself and education of lasers. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, I'm fast. If I, it, I always tell parents, I joke about it. I'm a lovingly joking doctor. And I'm like, they're like, how fast is this going to take? And, and I'm like, this is going to be pretty fast. I was like, you know, mom, get ready to feed. We're going to be back in a second. Uh, I'm probably out of the room for maybe two minutes uh, to do buckle ties if the baby has that. But I want you to know, going back to the, the technique of the laser, like I saw a tongue tie yesterday, you know, 6,000 babies, right? that made my heart kind of beat, you know? And it doesn't happen very much anymore because obviously I've got this down. And if I was in the Olympics of tongue ties, I'd probably win a bronze or something like that. Um, but I saw this baby came in, I got a call yesterday from my amazing lactation cons consultant, Rue Kosa over at the Perfect Push in, in, in Redmond. And she basically said, you need to see this baby tomorrow, Dr. Thomas. So. For me, that means we're already booked out and we're going to be working through lunch, uh, but that's okay. And, um, but literally the tongue was attached to the bone. Um, and that's even for me, I'm like, come on, you know, like give me a little bit of room to work with. Right. And so if you can imagine, and, and that's the big misconception that happens is we're you know, unfortunately we're all on the same plane. Well, I'm on the same plane with the clippers and the snippers. And, and, and it, it, a lot of times those just get the anterior clip job, right? And not the posterior component. And with a CO2 laser, I could not do what I did yesterday on this baby. It took me about 15 seconds. Uh, I hit it, the tongue released, no bleeding. I was able to climb over the top of the salivary glands. There was actually a little ranula next to the midline, um, mm -hmm. which is very difficult to work around. Um, but I was able to, to treat the baby with no problems and go right to feed 
um, uh, with no bleeding and a little bit of numbness because the CO2 laser gives a little bit of numbness for a little while. So, so that to me is what laser means. You know, it means visual field. Um, it means uh, quick recovery. Um, everything else is it just better work. I, I, I just tell my manufacturer better work because if it goes down, I go down too. So, so, but I, I can't see myself ever going backwards to don't, don't get me wrong. There are providers out there that are super talented with scissors. Um, and, uh, that's their tool of choice. And sometimes in rural areas, maybe that's the only choice. Um, but in my hands, uh, I need the CO2 laser with a pair of loops on with a bright light so I can see exactly what I'm doing. So, so uh, hopefully that answers your laser question. Yes. And the other, what was the other question? The last How question was- How do you explain tongue tie to your parents? How do I explain tongue tie? Um, there's so many different ways, uh, but you know, I usually explain it functionally. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't want anybody to, to, to function, like to focus, no parent. I, there's no part of education that is like, here is a structural problem anatomically, this is the problem. I want them to understand the big picture, the speech and language, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I usually focus on function. So I usually, uh, I take, I'm about to do a, a, a um, uh, for the American Laser Study Club, I'm doing this, uh, presentation that'll come out I think in February mm -hmm. and it's how I how I use an iPad and a ring light to basically educate my patients and it's about taking pictures in the mouth then taking the apple pencil and drawing on it and drawing what it looks like and drawing what the problem is and it helps the viewer for me it's the pay, the parent really visualize the problem mm -hmm. and uh, so so those kind of technologies are important to me but I, I always talk about tongue up you know and and the, the easiest thing for me to not convince a patient to do a procedure, but to educate them is to show them the lip blisters, to show them the, the, the large biofilm that's on the top of the tongue that's turned, to show them, to, to help them relate like that the multiple, multiple feeds throughout the day on demand is that your baby is taking in calories, but they're losing so many calories because of the restriction that they're not gaining weight, right? Um, to talk about the chompy suck and the pain. So for me, those are all functional topics, all functional topics. They're the exact same topics that a myofunctional specialist would talk about with a teenager or an adult. It's just, uh, it's just at the baby stage. So, so yes, yeah, some of it is visual, but I would say my last diagnostic portion has to do with the visual. It's all about the story. And so we use some technology here at the Health Latch Clinic to basically capture the entire story. If you can imagine, I send them an encrypted text with a document that has 79 questions on it, 79 questions. And to me, that is their pre-birth story, their birth story, and their post-birth story. Because yeah. to me, all those things are important in why this baby's here and why this baby's struggling. So as soon as they walk in the door, we've already digested their entire story. Like we know who they are, we know what most of the problems are. And literally Dr. Gormley goes right in the room and I kind of warn patients, I'm like, she's gonna come in, she's, she's totally deaf. Uh, so she's deaf, so they, they have to, we have to communicate a little differently during COVID because of the masks, but um, she's gonna come in firing. 
and she's going to come in solving problems. So, because most people are used to going into a medical office and sitting down and going over paperwork and all that kind of stuff. We literally just like, and some of that has, some of that has to do with COVID, but, but to me going back to it, you know, the pre-birth story, the birth story and the post-birth are all part of the story. And I even think if you're working on a four-year-old, that should be part of the story. Like, did they have plagiocephaly when they were a baby? Could they breastfeed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those kind of things. So, yeah, so yeah. those are all questions, you know, that again, us as myofunctional um, specialists ask, and I, I always have parents looking at me and I can tell they're thinking, why is she asking me all this stuff? I mean, I'm asking about how, you know, their health during the pregnancy. And it's like, I thought I was here because my kid doesn't swallow correctly. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. but it all goes back. <laughs> And that, that's the light. I mean, honestly, Brittany, that's the light you turn on for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Agarwal, who is a pediatrician who does phrenectomies down in Arizona, who's an amazing mm-hmm. pediatrician, he, uh, he he talks a lot about like your your eyes don't see what your mind doesn't know or believe, right? Mm-hmm. So so like every one of us that are out there, and hopefully you know everybody you know, joins the health life circle, and we're all in the same room, and we're all a collective voice, and we're mm-hmm. all supporting each other um, uh, and unity. Um, but really that's what we're doing. We're just, we're not diagnosing, we're not treating, we're not doing all these things. We're literally just turning on the light educational journey. And, um, I think this particular journey more so than any other, you know, health problem in the body is something that people can relate to, but they're just not aware of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we bring intuition, awareness, and advocacy. So, so I'm going to talk about those things until I'm blue in the face because, um, you know, you know, again, me, a super positive guy, I'll say one last thing, you know, we can't keep doing things the same way we've always been doing them. That is the death of airway, really. That is the death, a death of this whole entire movement. Uh, when, you know, I, I really struggle with the oral health profession when, the, when they say stuff like even at, at the office level. Well, well, that's really cool that that technology works, but we've always done it this way. When, you know, when people say we've always done it this way, that's basically the death of something, whether it be the death of their office, the inability to effectively treat a patient or the death, death of a movement. So we got to continue to advance and the health life circle is just my little portion of that. And it's amazing. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, last day of 2020. So I say that everybody at the top of your to-do list for 2021 is to join Health Latch Circle. It's going to definitely be on the top of my to-do list, actually, maybe even today. So thank you, Dr. Thomas, for coming on and sharing all this information with us. And thank you for putting together such an amazing platform for our patients, for us as professionals. I think that 2021 is going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brittany. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of I Spy with My Maya Y. If you want to hear more about these episodes, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to contact me at bsierra.omt at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe as well and let us know of any subject or guest speaker you'd like to hear from. Help spread the word by sharing today's episode on your social media page. You can find me on Facebook at CT Oral Facial Myology and Instagram handle CT underscore Oral Facial underscore Myology. Everybody have a wonderful day.